This is the Future of Security Operations podcast brought to you by Tynes. This show is dedicated to empowering SecOps leaders to reimagine how their teams work so they can scale their security efforts and build a team that achieves more with less. In each episode, we'll learn from a security leader who has found a way to free their team from tedious manual tasks and remove the barriers that are preventing them from doing high-value strategic work that truly matters. We'll learn from their mistakes, distill their best practices, and leave you with actionable insights that you can immediately put to work with your team. I'm your host, Thomas Kinsler, COO and co-founder of Tynes. Now, let's jump right into today's show. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Security Operations podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Jacob DePriest, VP and Deputy Chief Security Officer at GitHub. Jacob, thanks for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Really excited uh, about this conversation. Bob, me too. And um, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah. So before coming to GitHub, um, where I've been about a year and a half now, I spent, uh, I was a senior executive at the National Security Agency uh, in the US for about 15 years. Um, I started out in engineering, so building real time software defined radio systems, kind of distributed computing space. Uh, so kind of deep in the engineering world for a while. Um, I spent a lot of time there kind of doing a cross between uh, technical leadership and then people management eventually. Uh, turns out uh, doing engineering at NSA is also very adjacent to security, the security context. And so while building systems, I learned an awful lot about system security in the process, which was a lot of fun. Um, I moved from there to it was still within NSA, kind of tech director roles, and then eventually landed in a position where I got to build and lead a developer experience team. And so we handled everything from developer security to our CM and CICD tools to kind of the, the community part of developer experience as well as open source. Uh, and then I kind of wrapped my time up there running an effort to build out the infrastructure behind uh, what became known as the Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. So a lot of the, the cloud infrastructure, the office tooling, and uh, the security, GRC, kind of all the things behind that. And so launching and building and deploying that uh, with a with an amazing team uh, kind of really thrust me into the middle of security for a while, which I really enjoyed. It's really interesting that you, I suppose, decided to open source a lot of tools and like give back to the cybersecurity community. Can you tell us a little bit about the decisions behind that and how that was uh, or how, how that was approached? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the NSA, it was and is a very, very technical agency. And so, you know, the, the engineers and computer scientists and security professionals that work there are very similar in their backgrounds to a lot of the, the backgrounds that work in the commercial side who are involved in open source. And so folks are coming out of university eager and already participating in open source, they want to continue to be able to do that. And, you know, government agencies use a lot of the same tools. You know, we think about things like Kubernetes and Linux and, you know, a lot of these scaling open source uh, tools that are out there and agencies are using the same thing. And so there's a really big desire to be part of that um, and to contribute back and whether that's patches, features, whatever it is. And so, you know, as part of the, the effort that I led there was really trying to help developers uh, be able to do that more easily, be able to understand the rules because the copyright rules are very complex in the U.S. for federal employees, but be able to be able to participate in open source when they want to and when it makes sense uh, from a mission perspective. 
yeah, it's great to see so many like initiatives be open source, but it's also sad sometimes when you see some uh, some projects be open sourced and then uh, you see them like the, the important parts of following up, maintaining, like patching those vulnerabilities of those bugs. It's really important to do that as well. Yeah, it's just it's not just like release and forget. And I suppose when, when it's the NSA involved, obviously that like legal and IP issues make it even more important. But like, how did you, uh, I suppose, what, what sort of framework did you put around that? And how did you decide to even open source like entire tools that people wouldn't have like Ghidra, which like became yeah. very popular and very like influential in the community. How, how did, how did those discussions happen? I suppose. And understand if you can't reveal, uh, reveal everything. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about it a little bit. I think, you know, by and large, it's very similar to, I think how uh, corporations work, you know, mm -hmm. what is the value to the corporation? What's the value to the agency? What's the value to the mission? And what are the motivations? And I think open source motivations are fairly universal, right? Giving back, being able to, to increase the value of the entire ecosystem and the entire community. And so things like Ghidra, which I was tangentially involved in helping that team release that a little bit, just supporting from a policy perspective. It's it's how do we help the rest of the community? Like it's, just, it's an incredibly important space. And a lot of the open source tools that, that are being released by lots of corporations and agencies are really critical to the ecosystem. And not everyone is going to get the traction that Ghidra gets and get the community involvement. Uh, but even if a handful do, it's really uh, increasing the entire community's experience and ability to, uh, in this case, tackle security problems that are really, really difficult uh, that were challenging to do beforehand for sort of the average security person out there. Yeah, you're not just keeping the NSA safe, you're keeping the, the much wider uh, much wider community uh, safe as well, which is fab. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the threats that are faced by open source developers and open source projects? And I guess this kind of is tangentially related to, uh, tangentially probably directly related to some of the work that you're doing at GitHub as well. Yeah, um, it, it definitely is. We think about this a lot at GitHub. Um, and honestly, that's one of the big reasons I kind of chose to come to GitHub after my time at the agency was because we are sort of in the middle of the software supply chain ecosystem as a company, which is, I find incredibly fascinating, challenging and rewarding to be part of that. Um, you know, I think open source developers and just any developers in general, when we think about the open source supply chain, it is about trust. It is about where did the code come from? What are the things involved in it? What are the dependencies? And how do you track all that and build it uh, in a secure way? And so I think, you know, we've made a huge amount of progress as a community the last five or 10 years compared to where we were. We still have a long way to go. Um, so things like dependency management in particular are still a really big challenge, but have, you know, a lot of progress. And on the GitHub front, you know, we do have a fair number of dependency tools that help both uh, corporations, but also open source, right? So a lot of the way we approach the open source security ecosystem is to provide as much of the security tooling as we can to open source developers that we also provide to corporations who are paying customers. Yeah, I absolutely love it as well. And I know you've probably jumped ahead a little bit, but recently made some decisions to, you know, make uh, like 2FA mandatory everywhere and also like uh, make Secret Scanner available to like on every plan and things like yeah. that, which is just, yeah, it's kind of inspiring. It's, it's uh, I'm a firm believer uh, as a practitioner, the security shouldn't cost extra, but it's still, yeah. it's even a little bit different when it's in a product that it is in many ways, like a security product to, to say, hey, we're actually going to make these uh Kind of make these tools available to absolutely everybody. It's kind of um, yeah, kind of inspiring. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think you know, even recently we've we've done a little bit more where we released um, sixty hours of code spaces uh, for free each month, and so 
that's kind of our remote developer platform that you can log into out of a browser or, you know, directly from the command line. So you combine that with some of the security tools, you can think about students at universities getting started in an incredibly secure environment that many of the Fortune 100 companies in, in the U.S. are using or in the world are using. Um, and it's it's almost the same space with the same security. It's it's a pretty incredible uh, setup. That's pretty awesome. And I suppose, how did you, like, you worked in uh, in the agency for 15 years or so. How, how did you decide to to take the jump and move to uh, move to industry? And then I suppose maybe this is the same question, but why GitHub? Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, why the jump, uh, a lot of it is about, for me, it's uh, constant curiosity, constant learning. And so mm-hmm. the agency was just an amazing place. That's why I stayed there as long as I did, to be able to try a bunch of different things, learn a lot of different areas from software-defined radio to developer experience tooling to cybersecurity. But, you know, it was time for for the next adventure and time to learn in a different environment. And so, you know, I still have uh, a lot of friends who work there, and it was a great place to work and spend time. So I, I have, still have fond memories of that. You know, in terms of why GitHub, I think, for me, it really combined three of the things that I spent most of my career doing, which is open source developer tooling and security. And you know, having the opportunity to come to GitHub, where I spent the first about 14 months as the VP of security operations, pulled all those things together because, you know, we believe very strongly at GitHub of using GitHub to build GitHub, to secure GitHub. And so being a part of that sort of inherently means that you're also a part of building this bigger thing for the entire open source community and developer community. And it's just really inspiring. And I couldn't think of really almost anywhere else that I could go after spending time serving at a federal agency to have that kind of mission impact. I mean, it's hard to really, it's hard to really beat the impact and the mission that we have at GitHub. It's incredible. Yeah, it is pretty much deep, like the de facto tool of choice when you're, uh, when, when you're getting started. But yeah, I was looking up recently, I think you recently just crossed a billion dollars in a uh, billion dollars in revenue, 90 something million users and 4 million organizations. So it's hard to think about many other organizations in the security around the security ecosystem that have uh, have the scale and the impact of uh, of GitHub. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's it's um, incredible growth. And, you know, we we talk about that a lot as a security team. And then, you know, also among the leadership of the responsibility of that, the importance of that, and the commitment to our customers and, and customers, not just being paying customers, but the open source community and the the broader developer ecosystem. It's just a really important part of our ethos and our um, kind of our passion. And you're, I suppose, continuing to scale as well. So like, I, I kind of want to touch on that in the security space. Actually, maybe beforehand, can you tell us some of, some of what the, the day-to-day involves? I know you said you were previously the VP of SecOps and you're now the Deputy Chief Security Officer. Um, congratulations on the promotion, by the way. What, what's the day-to-day look like? What, what are some of the threats you're facing that you uh, that the, that you and, you and the team work on? Sure. Um, so the security team really kind of has three primary focuses at GitHub. And I think in some ways this is, not, is, is very typical and in other ways it's unique. So kind of first and foremost is I would say a fairly traditional area, which is protecting the company. So the internal security, cloud infrastructure, our SaaS tooling, business operations, customer data, things like that. And, you know, that is incredibly important. We spend a lot of time and energy in that space. Kind of the second area is our products, right? We we do ship a lot of products to a lot of the world um, and we ship security products. So how can our security team partner with our engineering team, which who we work very, very closely with and our product team, to build and ship and make sure that things that we do uh, put out into the world are as secure as we can make them. 
and that we respond very quickly if things are found. You know, we have a very robust and, and one of the longer bug bounty programs out there. And so we leverage as many of the tools in the tool bag as we can to make those products secure. And then the third area is the community. So how do we build trust? How do we uh, engage with and build uh, a security community around GitHub? And so, you know, we have security researchers who are looking for vulnerabilities in open source packages that are meaningful and impactful to the rest of the community. Um, we, you know, believe very strongly in our compliance program and how we think about risk at an enterprise level. And that translates directly to how we build trust with customers and the community itself. And so those are kind of the big three areas that we focus on. And that that really infuses uh, how we think about our priorities every day. Yeah, I love it. And it's a nice uh, there are three nice buckets to uh I suppose to, to to put things in. I think like one of the one of the challenges that I think every security team is facing, and it's clear with when the organization's growing as fast as uh as you are, is I suppose that, that the amount of manual work that security teams are spending their time on. Um, I know that you use GitHub for a lot of things, but can you talk about I suppose, using GitHub and then some of the other ways that you are reducing the manual time that your teams spend on like day-to-day tasks? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, GitHub is uh, a developer platform and it's built by developers. And so mm-hmm. we have a lot of automation uh, internally to GitHub. We also, you know, both in the engineering and product and really across the company, we use GitHub for almost everything that it makes sense to use it for. And so from a security perspective, that comes down to things like we have um, we have built-in tools that will go out and work with uh, using GitHub issues and then maybe some Slack bots. We'll go out and, and engage hubbers and say, hey, like we need you to patch your operating system. We need you, there's some access training that you need to do or this access reminder that we need you to update. And so that's really built in and tracked through GitHub issues and things like that. We also have uh, our kind of our core security findings program. Uh, Part of this started as Vuln Management, but it really expanded from there. So that's how we track things like bug bounty findings. This is how we track things like our red team work and of course, vulnerability management as well. And it flows through the centralized place that engages directly with how engineers work. So it opens issues and repositories and it it really builds on that. And we try to bring the security findings, the security work that we need to do as a team and that the company needs to do as close to the developers as we possibly can. Some of that's just using the built-in security tools. So things like secret scanning and dependency management and things like that, that are that are available on the platform and others are custom tools that we write that sort of mimic that flow and bring the security issues as close to developers as possible. Yeah, it's so important as well. I think like long gone are the days where security and the engineering team don't work together, but just bringing the data to and the enriched data to where they are means that you're actually going to get traction and they're going to trust you and they're going to be like, actually, there's no reason why I can't do this. And especially if you're able to, and I think uh, I was doing a little bit of research, but you're also able to, you know, enrich, prioritize, and then provide that information. So you're saying, hey, this is actually something that's really important. You're going to have to yeah. patch this immediately, or you're going to have to, hey, you've got a little bit of time, and uh, you know, if this isn't uh, this isn't super critical. So maybe, yeah, working it when you when you have the uh, when you have the time as well. What are you building yourselves in GitHub, and what else is like? What other tools are you using for that? So a lot of the the vuln management stuff, and particularly we talk about if we kind of hone in on the dependency management side of it, mm-hmm. where we, we find so many of, of some of the, the vulnerability things that happen, it's really interesting space because we use um, Dependabot and dependency scanning, which is part of the GitHub platform. And we have a, a really incredible team that uh, curates the advisory database that powers that. 
every day they're they're going through and basically creating context to make those notifications to our developers and all developers who are using Dependabot as accurate and timely and useful as possible. And it's a, it's a really complex task um, mm -hmm. and something that we're spending a lot of time and energy you know, doing not just for our own security, but for the rest of the community. So that it kind of starts with our own kind of tools that we we build out for the community. And then on top of that, we add in things like looking at all the signal and telemetry that's coming in off all of our infrastructure, all of our kind of virtual property, pulling those into centralized tools so we can do detection. And then we can funnel those detections to the right team. So we have to combine ownership with risk and get it into the right place so that a developer who's best postured to fix it can do it in the best way that they can and not we don't have to you know escalate up to a bunch of vps ideally to get a thing done we can go right to the developer who's responsible for that area and, and open up pull request or an issue in their repo and say hey we found this thing can you fix it next cycle yeah which is an incredible like testament to the security team that that's uh like that you're trusted to do that but it also means that yeah again you're developing those yeah those relationships where they're they're prepared to do that how does it work at an even higher level, I suppose? So you get to work with the, yeah, not just the individual engineers, but presumably with the product team, the engineering team, the design team to to prioritize some of these features. And I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier that one of the things I love is that you've made tools like Dependabot, which you could very much sell as a like completely separate product for, you know, hundreds of millions, presumably. Uh you made that completely free, but you know, in addition to your, you know, you're forcing two FA everywhere, which is a slightly controversial decision. I definitely support it, uh, and things like you know, making Secret Scanner free and that that being community based, enabling other organizations to join for it to be community based as well. How does that work involved? Where you're saying actually, this is super important for security for the wider community and for our, our users. All right, so how do you how do you have those conversations to influence the product roadmap? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I, I this is one of the things I love about working at GitHub, and one of the things that that drew me to the company. You know, as as a culture at the company, we really have this kind of team approach to what we're doing as a company, and so it's one of the things we talk about in the security team all the time. Is that sure? Our, one of our primary jobs is to keep the infrastructure safe and the company safe, but we also sort of first and foremost view ourselves as hubbers, and we care about the product. We use the product every day, and so when there are ideas for improvements. You know, we have repos where anybody can drop ideas in and say like, hey, we think we're hearing this from customers. We experienced this firsthand. We really think this would be an interesting area to go on. But you take it a step further and things like enabling 2FA or, you know, how we think about our security roadmap for the product. We want to be the security team wants to be the first customer for everything that's happening. So, yeah. you know, if there's a staff ship of a new feature, we want our teams in there engaged building it. And sometimes that can be a challenge because, you know, we've been around for over 10 years now. And so there's a little bit of a, a tree ring effect where different projects started at different phases where different uh, company capabilities were available. And so we do have a very concerted program to adopt and roll out our security tooling that we ship as a company for the rest of the engineering product teams. And so we learn through that. And then we also have a very direct line and it's, it's bi-directional with product and engineering when we say, hey, we really think we need to do the security thing. We try to do it, and maybe there's a little more friction than we expected. And so we start working together to reduce that friction, which ends up reducing it for everybody who uses those products as well. 
Yeah, it's absolutely critical. We we do we do it ourselves in towns where we use towns for absolutely everything, and like my team and our security team and our our customer support team, our marketing team will all use towns. But the engineers also use towns themselves for absolutely everything. But it also means that if something goes right, uh, everyone's like, "Hey, this is fab!" And something goes wrong, everyone like we'll be the first people to uh to know about it, and we'll feel that uh, that pain. So our like product feedback channel in Slack is not quite 50% internal, 50% customers, but there's, you know, a, a fair chunk, probably 25, 30% is internal feedback saying this is yeah. fab or, hey, this is not uh, not good. And then, yeah, obviously we'll open up issues and we'll say, hey, this needs to be uh, this needs to be fixed. Another topic that I, I don't know, yeah, how much this affects you, but another topic is like that, that effect of insecurity these days. You don't know when the next Log4j is going to come around. You don't know like when these new, uh, like when a new incident is going to happen. And that sense of like overwhelming number of alerts coming in. I suppose at, at GitHub, first of all, does that does that is that ring true? But also, is that a like what what are you doing to I suppose counter the effects of the challenge of mental health on information security professionals? Yeah, I, I think that's true for any security team anywhere. It doesn't matter um, the size, the scale, the scope. I think you know there's always more activity. There's more signals to triage. There's more things coming in from customers, and so I think it is a really important topic of conversation. We talk about it a lot. For me, I think it comes down to a couple of different areas. One is it starts with the leaders and, and that can be a frontline manager all the way up to, to senior leaders at the company, but commitment to talking about this. And that comes down to things like what are our goal setting practices? How do we adjust our goals? And then how do we hire and resource in a way that acknowledges the uh, potential for burnout and mental health as it comes to this kind of overwhelming flood of notifications that come in or things that we have to deal with. And so, you know, as we think about resourcing and security team, one of the things we've very publicly and, and written down and shared with our leaders is when we're thinking about resourcing decisions and where priorities go for new hires and things like that, one of the very core rubrics we use is uh, work-life balance and, you know, what's the waterline for a team in terms of staffing. And we have certain teams are more susceptible to this kind of flood than others. And so we're very cognizant of that. And, you know, we don't have this perfectly nailed down by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something we talk about very regularly and, and make our hiring decisions based around it. So that's kind of, I would say, a step one. Step two, I think, comes down to something that we also talk a lot about. And every time I'm doing an interview, this is one of my interview questions uh, as a hint for anybody who interviews with me in the future is psychological safety. So I think... Nice. This kind of goes into the first one as well, but teams, individuals, ICs, managers need to feel safe to be able to raise their hands and say, hey, I'm not sure this is the right thing to focus on, or we're overwhelmed, we've got too much work, we might need to drop an OKR this quarter, or hey, I, I hear you asking for this thing, but I'm not sure you're actually going to get what you think you need to get. And I think that helps build this culture of people being able to say, hey, this is not the right path, or there's too much coming in this week, or I need a day off, or you know, all those things, people need to feel safe to be able to raise their hand and suggest or say that they don't agree with whatever it is. And I think that is really uh, key to build intentionally. I don't think that just happens. Um, and it needs to be applauded when people do that. Yeah, that's I. It's I absolutely love it. The, like the first one talking, it, it's um, I, I'm not going to say it's table stakes because there's a huge amount of organizations that aren't doing it that aren't acknowledging it. But even still, like having leaders talk about it and uh, yeah, managers and openly acknowledge the challenges people are facing is really really important. But yeah, people knowing and encouraging people to take to step up and say actually, hey, this is a challenge I'm facing, but also this is something that we can't do or we're not in a position to do, and not 
A, not being punished, but B, sometimes even being rewarded for that. There's a lot of people that are in similar uh, shoes or maybe in slightly smaller shoes that are, I suppose, starting to grow and starting to lead like fast growing security teams in organizations today. Is there any like advice that you'd give them for when they're, uh, when they're starting, when they're, they're, they're starting out trying to build out their program? Yeah, I've, I've thought about this one a lot over the last year or so, because I think the approach at GitHub has been really interesting and, and I've learned a lot kind of being a part of it. One of the things that I think is really important is it's going to seem sort of obvious, but I, I think it takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of focus it, to be able to achieve it is aligning the program and the interest with the rest of the company. So, you know, oftentimes I think security teams can sort of be off to the side doing the thing they need to do. Everybody knows it's necessary and important these days, but it's still kind of like that team over there. And I think being really central to um, what the company's doing as a product, customers, sales, revenue, support, like being part of those conversations and understanding how you integrate in, what's the value you bring, I think is really, really important. And I think we're going to see more and more companies that are successful you know, I'm not saying this is the only reason for success, but I think one of the ingredients for success is security teams are going to be more engaged in kind of outward facing motions. And that's going to become a differentiator for companies is how's their security team operating? How are they integrated with the company? How are they communicating? How transparent are they? How do they deal with incidents? And I think that is only achievable if the security team is really integrated into engineering products, sales, revenue, legal in a, in a core way. Hundred percent. It's really hard to, I suppose, to square that with security of several years ago, where it was still like security through obscurity. Like, no, we didn't have an incident. There was no such thing as an incident. What are you talking about? We don't even have much of a security team because why would we need it? We're all secure. To now, where it's security is massively affecting the top line of many organizations. Where actually, you know, the reason you should use, and I'm not going to pick any other organization, but GitHub over any other organization is because we do security the right way. But it's also the same. And I, I used to work in uh, in in DocuSign. And we use that as a differentiator as well against a lot of our competitors, where in some cases we'd speak slightly pejoratively, just basing, hey, the reason you'd be able to, to choose uh, us is because you can uh, yeah, you can trust us. But it's not just that, I suppose. Yeah, the, the, the communication part and the trust part is really important. And we've seen that happen in many organizations as well, where the communication around an incident, this is how we've dealt with it. It actually can breed a lot more confidence and a lot more security. Yeah, like people can believe this is actually an organization I can trust if you communicate rightly uh, and openly and transparently around that. Not always, but yeah. most, because uh, sometimes it doesn't, uh, sometimes it doesn't work. But for an organization like GitHub, it's very, tr- it's very clear that, you know, that we take security seriously is actually, uh, is actually the case. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is every company is going to have security breaches, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's yeah. just the reality of life now and trying to get to zero breaches isn't really a sustainable model. So spending the time and energy and empathy necessary to build out communication, transparency, both externally and internally, right? Teams have to feel safe and comfortable in the middle of and after a security incident internally to the company. So you can do things like blameless postmortems and learning from what happened and improving. But that same approach, I think, has to be taken outside of the company as well. And blog posts, direct customer engagements, notifications, things like that. Um, it, breaches are stressful for everybody around. And so I think a healthy dose of empathy, uh, kind of both internally and externally, is really important as well. One of the new sections that I was thinking about, this is uh, starting a new season of the podcast. One of the new sections that I was thinking about was uh, 
any fun incidents that you've worked in your career and what have you learned from them? But do you want to be the first person to take a uh, take a stab <laughs> at that in the open uh, spirit of open and honest communication? Well, I mean, I think the obvious one that's still probably still too fresh in most folks' minds who are in the security space is Log4j. Um, this was happened for me uh, about five months after I joined the company, um, which was interesting. And one of the things that I found really incredible about being part of GitHub when that happened was not just our response, but our ability kind of going back to something we talked about at the, at the beginning of the conversation, our ability in the ecosystem to have an impact. And that really rang true with Log4j. And so, you know, within, I think it was the first day we sent out over 300,000 dependabot alerts. Once we had figured out what was going on, we had, you know, curated the advisories that were coming in and tailored that into our dependabot tool as part of GitHub Advanced Security. And so we were able to not just, you know, we certainly had our own incident response running internally, identifying, you know, where we might be affected or not using a lot of the tools that we talked about uh, earlier. And it was an incredible, I mean, it was engineering, it was security. It, I mean, everybody was jumping in yeah. and we didn't really have to page anybody to a certain degree. Like I would log on at midnight or 6 a.m. the next morning and you're just seeing people like, how can we help? And that's incredible. But also being able to, to be part of helping the rest of the community deal with it. So I think I think it was, you know, sometime in, in, in measured in weeks, we know we've saw over 50% of those dependent bot uh, alerts be remediated by the community. And so that's like a, that's a significant impact that we can have uh, by having a security team that's engaged in these things that can help feed dependent bot and our tooling that our customers use. And that's, that's really incredible. Significant is uh, a little bit of an understatement there, but definitely, uh, definitely true. That's a, that's a fab story. And yeah, I think that's the other part that goes a little bit on reported incidents are incredibly stressful and they can be a time where like yeah nobody's enjoying uh nobody's enjoying it not not saying anybody should be enjoying it but you can learn a ton and you also get to show you know it's it's what you've trained for it's what you've worked your entire career to to get to be like actually you know this isn't the false positive this is the time that you know all those sans courses that i did all these this is where i'm able to put that knowledge to good use but also you get to you know, really see the best in your colleagues and, you know, work together to be like, actually, this is a problem that we're trying to, uh, we're trying to solve together. And especially when you're having such a big impact on the community, it's kind of, um, definitely not a fun time, but it can be a, it can be an interesting time for individuals, organizations, and I suppose individuals careers as well. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're thinking about security in the future and you're thinking about what security operations teams will look like, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think an average security operations team is going to look like? Maybe not on average. What do you think a good security operations team is going to look like in uh, in five years time? Yeah, we've, we've kind of touched on bits of this uh, through our conversation, but I think specifically, I think it's probably two things that come to mind when I think about this. One is the diversity of security teams, I think is going to continue to grow. Yeah. I think we're going to need and require more diversity in our teams. And I think that's from all, all definitions of diversity. And so, you know, I think we're going to need, we're going to see comms experts like show up as part of security teams to help work with the public relations teams to deal with um, these incidents and communication and transparency. We're going to see teams get more and more um, uh, kind of building in engineering capabilities and partnering with engineering to, combine a little bit more off the shelf tooling with some of the things they need to be the best at what they're doing. I mean, we have, we have a team at GitHub um, that works to counter abuse on the platform. It's incredible. And they're using machine learning and automated tooling all around to really combat what is staggering amounts of 
uh, attempted abuse on the platform and they're just incredible at it. And so I think we're going to see the need for all these disciplines coming together to really form a foundational security team. And I think the second thing is, is goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago is that shift to being just really part of the company, that transparency and, and thinking about our jobs as a differentiator for the company and for what we're doing uh, every day, I think is, is going to, we're going to see that more and more be talked about and, you know, hopefully someday some more training and classes and books around that as well to help folks who are kind of just starting out in that space, understand what that means and uh, how to move forward in it. Bob, um, I, w- I want to touch on, uh, just you mentioned, I suppose, diversity of the security teams. Uh, it's definitely something that's close to to my heart. And I know a lot of our other guests as well, as well have, to- have talked about it. But is there any advice you'd have on trying to, I suppose, attract and retain diverse talent and what, what GitHub have, have done or even what the NSA have done, I suppose? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that for me personally, I've found incredibly valuable and very successful is um, being open to different backgrounds and different definitions of ready for a job. Right. And so we I think we sometimes um, and this is true in engineering, this is true in security, it's true in a lot of disciplines. We sometimes kind of have this cookie cutter mold in our heads of what the ideal candidate's going to look like. And that may be true in some cases. Uh, but I think there's a lot of cases where somebody who's had a very non-traditional background, you know, maybe they started out as a elementary school teacher and they were curious about, you know, IT and moved into IT support and then support and became an analyst. Like things like that, the way somebody's brain is shaped through their experiences um, is so incredibly powerful to have the diversity in a team to be able to tackle some of these really challenging problems. And the, the problems we're seeing daily are getting more and more complex. The threat landscape is getting more complex. And so, you know, having a different group of people have that mindset and different mindsets, I think is going to be um, just really impactful. And so to be able to, to do that, I think it's about, it's again, it's about talking about it. What are, when we're having a, um, we're writing a job description. I was uh, talking to one of our folks a couple of months ago about this. We were kind of walking through a job description together and there was a lot of kind of required that we were talking about like four years of this, five years of that. And we kind of had a conversation, both of us together, you know, bi-directional of like, well, what is this going to mean? What kind of candidates are we going to get if we do this? And we ended up removing almost all of the requireds and making them either preferreds or just making them open, like experience or exposure to, because for the job we were hiring for, we didn't necessarily need that. Sometimes you do, but in that one, we really wanted a more diverse pool of candidates because we needed that diversity of thought and background. This is a, this was not on any, crib sheet or prep sheet but are there any cool projects like open source or closed source that you're tracking that that are uh that are worth highlighting that you like you think should be getting a bit of a bit more of a shout out or a bit more visibility oh that's a good question um i think one of the one of the things that well i'll, I'll talk a little bit about one of our open source ones since i had the opportunity we uh we recently open sourced um a project called entitlements and it's how we handle im and our back internally to GitHub. And I think it's really interesting. I don't think it, I don't think it is going to apply for every company out there. But what I think is interesting about this space is, and we talk about a lot is if you're a new company and you know you've got three or four people, building a full security team is is probably not the first thing you can afford to do or should do. And so, you know, are there things like GitHub and platforms like GitHub where you can use code spaces and security tools and actions to kind of jumpstart a security program that's that kind of gives you a leg up in the space. 
So I think this is something where, you know, one of the reasons we open source entitlements is we think this is an area where, you know, an early company maybe looking at SOC or something else, uh, how they manage uh, access and for things like SaaS and things that are skimmed in their IM provider, uh, I think are really interesting. And, you know, our auditors love how we use it because it's really, really transparent and clear. And there's like a lineage for every single access request that comes through, but also it's about how it's integrated to the overall platform. And it, it, there's just a very clear story that makes security's job a little bit easier. And so, you know, it's not necessarily one, pro it's one project that indicates what I think is a more interesting conversation, which is, you know, how do, how are, are there things like GitHub that can jumpstart a security team uh, for a new company or a new project? Uh, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, Jacob, unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time for today. Um, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. Before we finish up, if people want to follow your journey, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I'm uh, at Jacob DePriest on most things. So Twitter and LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to follow or reach out on any of those. Bob, well, thanks so much for joining me. And I hope we have you on again at some stage in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Thanks for listening to the Future of Security Operations podcast by Tynes. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast platform. For additional episodes, visit tynes.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about how Tynes Automation Platform can transform your security operations team, visit tynes.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode.